you know, curbside recycling seems to be, you know, kind of a normal thing in a lot of cities. But as I understand it, that's one of the biggest issues with Indianapolis is they don't have curbside recycling. What's going on with Indianapolis and not having curbside recycling? Oh man, oh, got a lot of layers to pay, peel back here. Um, so you're correct. Um, City of Indianapolis, most municipalities, when they provide solid waste services to their residents, they get a trash cart and they get a recycling cart. And yeah. that, is, that is encompassing of solid waste management for that municipality. Right. City of Indianapolis provides through contracts to private haulers, uh, trash services. And, and DPW does some of that pickup as well. Right. For recycling, uh, rather than have it be managed as part of solid waste, the city has a contract to, with Republic Services to provide that as a service. And it is, but it is not paid for by your uh, taxes, taxes and, and fee, user fees and things like that. So in Indianapolis, if you want curbside recycling, you can have it, but you have to pay out of your own pocket, similar to how you would have to pay your cable bill. Sure. Um, and when you have a situation like that, you get about, we have about 10% subscription rate of households subscribed to right. curbside recycling. It's not very, incentivizing them. It's not, it's very inefficient right. um, and, and not as cost effective. Because right. if you think about, you know, every 10th house having a, a curbside recycling cart, the truck has to drive all over just to pick up very small volume of recycled valuable materials. But if everybody had a recycling cart and was recycling properly, you would gather more in, in shorter trips and it would right. be much more cost effective and therefore cheaper to provide the service. Welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast, where we talk with industry leaders who are making an impact in their businesses. Each leader is solving complex challenges and providing solutions within their respective areas of expertise. Our host is Sean Grady. He is passionate about helping clients transform their businesses and solving their environmental challenges. And here's our host, Sean Grady. Today's guest is Allison Mitchell. Allison is the executive director of the Indiana Recycling Coalition, a statewide nonprofit whose mission is to strengthen the circular economy in Indiana through waste reduction, reuse, recycling, and composting. Allison joined the IRC in March of 2018, and before that was the director of sustainability at Prosperity Indiana, a statewide nonprofit focused on community and economic development. Allison has 13 years of professional experience in sustainability in central Indiana. She has worked in the fields of landscape architecture, real estate development, municipal sustainability, sustainability consulting, and community development. She has a bachelor's degree of science from Purdue University in landscape horticulture and design, and a master's degree in landscape architecture from the University of Michigan, and also a Juris Doctor of Law from the Indiana University McKinney School of Law with a certificate in environmental and natural resources law. As a native Hoosier, Allison grew up on the farm in Greensburg, Indiana, and credits her rural upbringing as a source of her vocational aspirations. She currently lives in Indianapolis with her husband and two young sons. We're excited to see what's been going on in, at the IRC since she took over, and looking forward to the episode. This episode is sponsored by Infos. Do you work in remediation management? Are you still settling for using Excel or ad hoc systems to manage your entire portfolio? 
Well, they get it. It's been that way forever, right? What's a remediation professional supposed to use when general project management tools just don't cut it and spreadsheets cause the same old problems that have been around for decades? We'll meet Infos, an enterprise software platform designed specifically to help remediation professionals transform the way they work. It lets you manage your site information, financial plans, and lab data all in one place, synced, accurate, and secure. With over 20 years in the industry, Infos is trusted by some of the biggest companies on earth. Find out how much time and money you can save by adopting an all-in-one management platform built specifically for remediation project management. To learn more, visit www.infos.com. That's www.enfos.com. Allison, welcome to the Environmental Transformation Podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, good. I'm glad to have this uh, talk with you and do this interview. So I gave the listeners a brief bio on you earlier, uh, but Allison, why don't you give us a little bit of uh, information and share us like, you know, what was your journey and how you became the executive director of the IRC? Oh, sure. Yeah. Kind of a circuitous route, um, but uh, thrilled to be in this role. I think I've really found my, my true calling. I've arrived yes. at it anyway. Um, I grew up on a farm in Indiana and I, that's really where I think I got my environmental passion, although I didn't right. realize it. Um, school was moving ever closer towards, um, environmental sustainability. And, um, once I realized the whole world of environmental sustainability, uh, I was hooked and had to be a part of it. And, uh, worked in the city of Indianapolis's office of sustainability, um, got more opportunities from there. Sure. Um, and when I got my law degree, I, I knew going in, I didn't want to practice law. I wanted to work on the policy side of right. environment for okay. the state of Indiana. So that's, right. Uh, I'm in this role. I'm really getting a chance to do that more, and it's super exciting. So awesome. Well, I also noticed the IRC is uh, celebrating its 30th anniversary. Congrats on that! So tell us a little bit about the history of the IRC and and, and you know how it got started. Maybe a little bit about its mission for the future. Yeah, thanks. Um, it's it was an exciting time. We actually just wrapped up our 30th anniversary celebration at our conference this past June. Um, and we started in Bloomington, actually, in 1989 as a grassroots organization of individuals that were very passionate about the environment and recycling and wanting to share that passion and make recycling um, available and then mm -hmm. educate people on it. Mm -hmm. So that's really what, how we started. And over the years, we've evolved into more of a professional organization we do have counterparts across the country uh, called state recycling organizations. And uh, in comparison to our counterparts across the country, we're one of the largest in terms of budget and staff. Mm. Um, and that's really because we have, uh, Indiana is such a robust recycling economy. And most people don't know that or don't uh -huh. think about uh, that in Indianapolis in particular. So. Um, so yeah, we've really evolved over the years and now we're really focused, um, you know, we've continued to focus on education, mm -hmm. um, and we're evolving that focus of education to go really beyond the industry and, and make sure we reach at the household level all across the state. And then also leaning more into proactive advocacy, um, in a, in a much more meaningful way as we look to, uh, the next several years. 
Sure, sure. So, you know, the IRC, it's a, it's a statewide nonprofit, 5013C corporation, and, and, and you're representing concerned citizens, local governments and businesses, industry, environmental groups. So, so for the listeners, what does specifically the IRC do? Yeah, so um, we think about our work kind of in three different areas. We do, uh, we educate to empower. Okay. We convene to connect and we advocate to advance. And right. so we bring people together, educate them, and then turn them into advocates for recycling and the circular economy. And okay. we do that through a variety of programs. We're getting ready to launch um, a new education program that we're super excited about called the Master Recycler Program. And this was inspired by a similarly named program in the Portland, Oregon area that has um, taken root in other communities across the country. Ours is unique because it is fully online and um, wow, okay. that's, that's pretty handy in COVID right now. times. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it'll right. be a module based uh, program. People can just do it on their smartphone. They'll be right. incentivized um, and we call it infotainment. We're going to teach people about recycling in the circular economy um, and make them laugh along the way and have fun with it. So, so um, are they going to have some sort of like a certificate at the completion of this course and kind of like the master gardener uh, certificate, but similar, but like that? Exactly. So less of a, initially anyway, less of a real professional credential and more of just an achievement, a personal achievement type of sure. thing. Um, but, and depending on how, deep they want to go into it, it can okay. definitely fulfill educational and um, professional certification requirements. So we're, that we want to get to that point at some um, future point, but initially we want to make it very accessible um, to, you know, everyday Hoosiers. That's right. Right. No, that's good. So, you know, I was looking at your strategic plan that you guys have and, uh, you know, I looked at it and I said, it kind of runs through 2022 currently, I think is the initial plan. And I yeah, believe it will be here so soon. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, that's going to be here in a blink of an eye. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I'm looking at that and, and they talk about the recycling rate, the current rate for Indiana is about 17%. So 17%, you know, okay. That seems low for really. And I think the IRC's goal is to help the state achieve a 50%. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. And the state, this rec most recent data from the state, um, which is 2018 numbers showed us like right at 20%, but yes, oh, okay. still pretty low. Falling, yes. Below the 50% goal and below the national average for recycling, which is right about 35%. Well, so how will the IRC's plan help the state achieve its goal? You know, yeah, meet, so meeting the 50%. Yeah, so so um, through education, we hope to have more people understand the value of recycling right. and how they can recycle better, okay. which will improve the efficiency of the system in the, in this state. And then um, through our advocacy efforts, we hope to put policies, push for policies to be aligned with truly valuing recycling, and that looks like making sure it's not cheaper to throw something away when it has value. And right. instead, capturing it, diverting it, 
and uh, utilizing the value in that material. Well, and there's so many, you know, streams there within the, the waste uh, itself that could be pulled out and sorted and separated. You know, curbside recycling seems to be, you know, kind of a normal thing in a lot of cities. But as I understand it, that's one of the biggest issues with Indianapolis is they don't have curbside recycling. What's going on with Indianapolis and not having curbside recycling? Oh man, oh, got a lot of layers to pay, peel back here. Um, so you're correct, um, city of Indianapolis, most municipalities, when they provide solid waste services to their residents, they get a trash card and they get a recycling card. And yeah. that, is, that is encompassing of solid waste management for that municipality. Right. City of Indianapolis provides through contracts to private haulers, uh, trash services and, and DPW does some of that pickup as well. Right. For recycling, uh, rather than have it be managed as part of solid waste, the city has a contract to, with Republic Services to provide that as a service. And it is, but it is not paid for by your uh, taxes, taxes and, and fee, user fees and things like that. So in Indianapolis, if you want curbside recycling, you can have it, but you have to pay out of your own pocket, similar to how you would have to pay your cable bill. Sure. Um, and when you have a situation like that, you get about, we have about 10% subscription rate of households subscribed to right. curbside recycling. It's not very, incentivizing them. It's not, it's very inefficient right. um, and, and not as cost effective. Because right. if you think about, you know, every 10th house having a, a curbside recycling cart, the truck has to drive all over just to pick up very small volume of recycled valuable materials. But if everybody had a recycling cart and was recycling properly, you would gather more in, in shorter trips and it would right. be much more cost effective and therefore cheaper to provide the service. Sure, sure. Well, and then, you know, I think what's really one of the challenges with curbside recycling, as I see it, um, you know, in our community is, you know, we just threw everything in one stream. But, uh, you know, there, there could be more source separation out that, you know, to, to maybe the higher margin type of products can be sorted out. And then there's the, uh, the whole organic recycling, which really would, would create a bigger uh, source of, uh, you know, recycling streams for, uh, you know, with, with, the, with the residential community too. And I think that's, it's not being done. It's not being done a lot. And, and some states are actually mandating it starts to be implemented as law. You know, like New York, California, you have to do it. Correct. Yeah. And a lot of what's behind that is um, the greenhouse gas emissions that those organics create in a landfill, which is, right. is how majority of municipal solid waste is managed in this country is through landfills. Um, so by pulling out those organic materials and composting them in controlled environments, because mm -hmm. that can also produce emissions if, if done improperly, um, keeps the landfills, first of all, it makes the landfills more efficient in terms of space and volume for the yeah. things that can't be composted. And reduces um, greenhouse gas, which is, affects climate change. Exactly. And then right. when you compost organic material, you create a value added material that actually improves the quality of your soils. Yeah. And that that's the in goal. Indiana... I mean, we're an agricultural and a, and a manufacturing state. So yeah. recycling 
of those commodity materials and the organics actually is a net benefit to two other industries sure. in our state. So, oh, and, it. and it helps reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Right. So it's, it's a win-win. And creates jobs. So it is a win-win-win all across the board. Yeah, yeah. So why are we doing that? I don't understand. <laughs> well, yeah. There's, uh, it's, what's it's going on with largely, our city? <laughs> yeah, it's large. And it's not, I mean, Indianapolis for sure has its own set of unique challenges, but there are right. challenges at the state level as well. Our landfill tipping fee, which is what the hauler pays or the, yes. you know, the customer of the landfill or the, right. or the incinerator pays when they dump their load that they tip their load. Yeah. That is terribly low in the state of Indiana. It's like $45 a ton or something. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Right. And when we look across the country, uh, we have some of the lowest landfill tipping fees in the state right. here in Indiana. So what that does is it incentivizes people here in this state to put it in the trash because it's cheaper as opposed to any any handful of diversion tactics and strategies like composting sure. like recycling like right. re redu you know waste reduction or reuse or remanufacturing right. so when you make it cheaper to throw things away that's where people are going to go that's that's going to be the the, the expectation and that's going to set the social norm for the default. Your, yeah. It's the default. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that is, that is a tremendous challenge. Um, but also when you're lower than the States around you, the other States are going to send their trash into your state. So now you're not only having to manage your own waste. You become the backyard for your neighbors. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> we don't want is, that either. Exactly. We want Illinois to keep their waste in there and Ohio to keep your waste over there. Right. But we want everybody else's recycling because we have yeah. all of the infrastructure and the manufacturers that desperately, desperately want what's in want your recycling. It. Right. No, that's good. So education's like the biggest, uh, probably hurdle, um, but that's not the only one, obviously. And there's going to be some, you know, uh, I guess, administrative or regulatory changes uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, and I, you know, we'll get into some other stuff here on the, on your, within IRC, but in Indianapolis, one of the challenges, there's not a solid waste district for Indianapolis, is there? No, there's not. So what's the plan there? Is that going to really, by establishing one, will that really help uh, the IRC, you know, move forward with, uh, you know, a grand plan of doing, you know, curbside recycling and, and really launching into more of a circular economy approach for our city. And, and we'll talk about this circular economy. I want to get into that too. So tell me yeah. what you think about that. Yeah. So really why the IRC, we're a statewide organization. And the reason we are getting so deeply involved in what's happening in Indianapolis is not just because this is, this is our backyard and we right. care, but because Indianapolis is the largest city in this state and it sets the expectation for sure. other communities right. and other communities are far outpacing Indianapolis right now. So it is a point of embarrassment, quite, frequent, <laughs> quite honestly, for the city of Indianapolis and thinking about, you know, trying to attract employers and attract um, workers, att attract investment. So that is, that's a, a big part of it. And also the city of Indianapolis under the current situation of policies that are in place and mm -hmm. lack of structures with, without the creation of a solid waste management district, they aren't fully capable of achieving their own sustainability goals as outlined in the Thrive Indianapolis plan. Sure. So they have these great goals and we're in support of those goals, but we, we all know 
they can't do it in, on their own. So we've, we have stepped in to say, we would like to help you because we, as a coalition, we uh, have a unique ability to bring people together around this particular topic mm -hmm. and raise awareness and do the advocacy at both the state and the local level that will support you being able to achieve the goals you've set out for yourself. And then sure. as we do that and we advance recycling and we advance a circular economy in Indianapolis, we can move Indianapolis from being a laggard to a leader and that will help us in our efforts to help other communities across the state improve their current situations and, and, and more uh, meaningfully commit to concepts of the circular economy. So are the leaders, the state leaders, uh, government-wise, I mean, it sounds like they've had a little bit of maybe of a blind spot on this whole situation. Their heart's in the right place, but they, you know, regulatorily or, or you know, uh, they haven't set up the, uh, an infrastructure to actually make it happen. You've come alongside, helped them realize that this is one of the biggest, you know, hurdles they need to overcome. It sounds like buy-in starting to come along. People are realizing that we got to do this. Um, what's the prospect of setting up a solid waste district in the next year or so with, for the city of Indianapolis to, to begin this journey of this circular economy? What do you think? I, I think our uh, prospects for that are strong. We've got um, a situation where people are starting to understand, and this, this goes back to the China ban that happened in early yeah. 2018. Right. Uh, they're, they're taking a fresh look at recycling and they're understanding we have this uh, false narrative in the past that recycling should be free. Sure, we'll pay a little bit for trash, but recycling should be free. And mm -hmm. that's just a backwards way of thinking. <laughs> Nothing's um, free. <laughs> exactly. Um, but also recycling, it's much more labor intensive because of the separation and the right. processing and right. the transport between right. all of that. Whereas trash is a one-way street, right? It's just, you pick it up, you take it to a landfill or an incinerator. So it's, it's, that's upside down, that perception. And, and recycling creates jobs and has a whole host of other benefits um, mm -hmm. related to um, the environment as, as well. So what people are starting to understand is that recycling can actually make improvements um, for public health, for neighborhood resiliency. Uh, it's obviously an essential service as sure. we have seen in the, in the COVID yeah. pandemic. Waste um, has got to go somewhere and recycling needs to go somewhere. It, it builds up. And as we're more and more focused on jobs, we think about recycling. You know, the, the fact is recycling creates 10 times more jobs per ton than Trash. landfill or incineration. Wow. That's a big number. That's and that's started, people are taking notice of that because of the situation we're in right now in such, you know, high unemployment numbers and the need to make our manufacturers uh, resilient to these types of disruptions and right. um, the global we, they, nature of our economy. A lot of these manufacturing jobs have been offshored. We're realizing the need to reshore these jobs. Right. Resiliency by, is a big is a big key right now, like you mentioned, because, you know, being on a supply chain and being kind of captive to that situation yes. has caused a lot of problems and, and for us as, as a society. And, uh, you know, when you look at this circular economy concept, it makes total sense. I feel like, you know, there's a generational gap here as well uh, with the mentality of recycling. And so, you know, 
not that to say that some older generation people don't think it's a great idea, but what I'm seeing is a lot of energy with the millennials and the younger professionals coming in. They're concerned about climate change. They're concerned about these things. They are really driving this message and this, you know, need for these types of uh, programs to the point where the people who are in power or in control, who might be those, uh, you know, baby boomers, some, you know, older Gen Z, Gen Xers, you know, they're kind of like recognizing, okay, we got to do something, right? Right. Well, and, and honestly, there's a large population, uh, the ethic for reduce, reuse, recycle, that was very much um, popular and is still present in older generations. They mm -hmm. know the value of sure. reusing things and of, you oh, know, waste right. not, want not. So right. they're, they don't throw anything away. They just keep reusing stuff, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and what, one of the things that has been difficult for recycling and the circular economy to overcome is the perception that you just do it for the environment. And right. that, and you know, great, if that is what your motivator is. And it, it, is, it is an important motivator because sure. it does have an impact. Right, absolutely. But that is really only one, one small one portion of it. I right. mean, especially when you think about recycling in a place like Indiana, where it really is about dollars and cents. It's about jobs. It's about yeah. leveraging the fact that we are the crossroads of America right. and we have the most interconnected network of manufacturing states. Yes. Industry. And everything is, is, you know, with just in time pushing right. everyone to be even more efficient from supply chain, the supply chain perspective, mm -hmm. Indianapolis and Indiana overall is so well positioned to make this the new uh, life sciences, right? Where right. life sciences was a really big um, focus for the state's economy, precision right. agriculture. Those are just 21st century reiterations of investment for assets we already have. Right. So thinking about recycling in the circular economy is really just the next iteration of taking advantage of the infrastructure and assets that we already have to provide jobs that are sustainable and resilient right here in Indiana. And they're good and promising jobs. Sure. So, sure. so like, you know, for the listeners, you know, let's give the listeners an idea of who's involved in participating in, in, a, in a, this, a circular, in this circular economy, like what, who's in there, who's, who's doing, who's helping out? Well, it's everybody <laughs> because everybody is a consumer, right? Of That's materials. Right. We all interact with materials all day, every day. So purchasing power of the consumer, both at the micro and the macro level, right? If you're the, you make purchase decisions at your place of employment, that's like another level of, you know, consumer power. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but as just an individual, you have a tremendous amount of consumer power in, mm -hmm. uh, as well. So that's, that's a foundational part of it. Um, then the other folks involved are the haulers mm -hmm. and the uh, folks that operate the material recovery facilities where your recycling gets sorted. The processors who take your plastic water bottle that went into mm -hmm. your recycling bin and they wash it, they flake it, they melt it, and they make it into pellets to make the next water bottle. So mm -hmm. that's a, that is a, a player. Um, everybody that's in our transportation and logistics network, right? Because once they, once you put that bottle, it has to go somewhere, then it has to go somewhere, it has to go somewhere else. 
So all of the folks in the trucking and transportation industry are part of it. Right. Um, our lawmakers and policymakers yeah. are all part of it, um, as well as product manufacturers and the designers. So uh, everybody that is involved in deciding what that plastic water bottle is going to be made of, or that it's going to be plastic, or it's going to be something else. Right. Um, the durability, the life cycle of that, that's all in the design phase. So it's, we are all interconnected in this process and we all have unique roles to play. And that's what the IRC's real mission is, is to bring all of those players together, Connected. help them understand how they fit into this intricate circular economy. Of, <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. And then yeah. empower them to make decisions that will lead to the very best outcome, both for uh, the economy, for the environment, and for sure. society. Talk a little bit about some of the components uh, of the initiative, like, you know, the education, the, uh, the industry stakeholder engagement, the advocacy, you know, what, what's, what, what's uh, you know, each one of those has a pretty significant uh, leg on the stool. We'll talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So the, in, in 2018, as you mentioned, the IRC updated its strategic plan and mm -hmm. to make, you know, addressing recycling challenges in Indianapolis, the focus. Right. And where we started that, uh, and by the way, we call that the Indianapolis Circular Economy Initiative. Right. And where we started that effort was really in bringing together uh, a broad array of stakeholders to the table to have them tell us why it matters that we fix recycling in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I also just want to point out that we are very kind of, uh, it could seem myopically focused on fixing recycling in Indianapolis, <laughs> but that is kind of the near term necessity. Yeah. Uh, and the broader goal is really driving the whole state towards a circular economy. So sure. we see that fixing recycling in Indianapolis as a significant and, and, and critical stepping stone to this really broader statewide. Well, initiative. yeah, you, you start it here and it'll have ripple effect into the rest of the communities out, you know, outside exactly. of uh, Indianapolis. So what we're, what we're trying to do is um, build up the um, partnership of, of collaborators on this, get their voices to the table and help them get in front of elected officials in a meaningful way to explain why uh, this matters to Cummins. This matters to Bank of America. This matters to Salesforce. Um, mm -hmm. This matters to Newfields, you know, our mm -hmm. cultural institutions as well. So we are trying to provide that kind of collective voice on this particular issue to help move policy in the right direction. Additionally, we're bringing together folks that are in the industry to help them understand what we currently lack in terms of where we want to be and put together a plan for bringing that type of investment in the infrastructure that we need so mm -hmm. that we can start the process of building momentum to uh, a, a more circular economy. And really recycling is a big part of it. And then education with the Master Recycler Program is to really reach that household individual level person to have them understand why all this matters and why, you know, that, that this, you know, aluminum beverage can that I'm holding is not just an empty LaCroix, you know, sure. bottle or yeah. can. It, it has 
the potential for so much more and why they need to, to care and why they need to be invested in the, the advocacy process to, to make this happen. What's, uh, has there been any thought of the education, maybe at like the elementary or school, you know, in school level type uh, curriculum for kids just, to, I mean, cause I don't know, you know, I think that's kind of when you hit them young, they, they kind of mm-hmm. makes an impact on them and then they'll kind of grow into, you know, uh, citizens who have uh, a desire to, you know, recycle and, and be a part of this you know, initiative. Is there yeah. anything there you guys are doing? Um, so you bring up a great point. And this is again, like not having a solid waste management district for Marion County holds us back. And this is another example of, of where those uh-huh. solid waste districts that are across the state do a phenomenal job of getting out into the schools right? and at all, at all levels in elementary, middle and high school to, ex- to explain this to students. And, uh-huh. and it impacts the whole family. There's studies that show just what you said, catch them young. And it, you, you know, create the ethic and the awareness at an early age. Um, and it will manifest later into habits and practices and, and just an appreciation for this. So without a solid waste management district in Marion County, and, and that cuts us off from funding sources as well mm-hmm. that we are leaving on the table and not, right. not taking advantage of, we aren't able to fund an effective education strategy and program for Marion County. And that is a significant, I mean, generation now, sure. right? 30 years of not having that capacity, those programs in our schools, that is an impact. That is, that is a real thing we have to overcome. And so that's another reason why we are so strongly advocating because that is our mechanism for that. And, and as a four-person statewide entity, we don't have the capacity or the funding to reach all of the schools in Marion County. Sure, and no. that, that's a bit, one of our um, hopes and dreams for the Master Recycler program um, is to work in the future with a, you know, soon to be created, hopefully, Marion County Solid Waste Management District to create, to take that program possibly and, and create like a elementary to high school version of that, that can be, you know, again, pandemic proof in its online ability um, and really help them develop a program that can, they can kind of um, hit the ground running. Yeah, that's good. Well, hopefully that uh, we get this solid waste district uh, in place and then start that uh, educational process. That'd be great. So I was looking at your timeline on the initiative. So the timeline was, you know, from 2019 to 20, you're going to do some research and planning and, you know, stakeholder engagement, some campaign strategy stuff. You know, I know I've I've been participating or loosely participating in the planning and campaign. And I've got uh, one of our staff supporting uh, that that initiative with the the IRC. We're really excited excited to participate. But now in 2021, you've got the coalition launch. So you're going to continue to do some stakeholder outreach and some public campaigns and things like that with grassroots people. Uh, what's after what's after this coalition launch? What's 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 what that's what is that going to look like for you guys? So also because we've never had a solid waste management district in Marion County, we have not created a solid waste management plan for Marion County. Gotcha. And so we think it's really important to work with the city and all of the various stakeholders to not just think about what everybody else is doing um, and what we should have been doing all this time, but also how can we go from, how can we truly take advantage of what we have in this city and in this state? 
and put together a plan, um, multi-year plan with some very early priority recommendations. Mm -hmm. um, other cities have done this. We've, we've been looking at the city of Charlotte. They put together um, a plan called Circular Charlotte. Uh -huh. uh, so we would, we would want to put together a plan that really zooms out and looks at the big picture, um, makes recommendations of partners, uh, you know, thinking about with the creation of a solid waste district, what, how can we really leverage that and bring in investment to, to, to get what we need from infrastructure to make a, a true circular economy occur in the state of Indiana. So that is a priority thing is to, to go through that process sure. and then start implementing that, right? Mm -hmm. start, um, start going and reaching out, working with partners that we have like the Indy Chamber to reach out to these companies and say, you should locate here because this is a, this is a priority right. Right. and we need a company like yours to be located here and bring jobs and bring, you know, a commitment to this, this, uh, approach this area. Right, right, right. Um, well, that's, that's really good. So there is some sort of key t deadlines or timelines and down the road here too. I think, um, if I recall reading in one of your, uh, articles here, 2025 is going to be like the year new contracts are going to be issued, uh, for yeah. a lot of the waste contracts for the city of Indianapolis. And the idea is to, you know, really prepare and put all these things in place prior to that, timeline so that way when the 2025 comes up you can release new contracts for all this a circular economy recycling um, concept here for the city so lots to do between now and then obviously um, where where do you think the city and, and the, the you know the legislative bodies and things like that, things people like that are they really starting to you know rally around this concept of setting up the solid waste district yeah yeah, it, we are tending to get support for it. You know, when we started this process, I would say to people, you know, it seems like creation of a solid waste management district would be a good place to start. But we also have all these other problems. So I don't propose to know <coughs> exactly what should be the priority. And the reason I'm engaging all these stakeholders is to educate them on the situation and get their perspective on it. Right, and we have right. really come to the consensus that the creation of a solid waste management district is the priority because that act will operate, uh, will open the ability for the, the, the county or for, you know, the Unigov County, mm -hmm, city county mm -hmm. to raise funds in a way they've never had access to before. And that right. is a major problem. Currently, the city of Indianapolis has not raised uh, the solid waste user fee on that, you know, what residents pay to have their trash managed. That right. hasn't been raised in 30 years. It is oh, wow. operating at a significant deficit every single year. Wow. So a big portion of the problems that we have in Marion County are just purely funding. Mm -hmm. So right. fixing that first, and that will then uh, give us that mechanism to, to provide the education that we lack, um, to manage those contracts and get kick them out take that political football and kick it out of city government and put it in this quasi-governmental entity mm -hmm. um, that, that is operated and controlled by a board. <laughs> so um, that will be a, a, a strategic first step to allow us to address all of the other issues that occur. And then of course we have the, you know, state legislative priorities that we want to take on as well. So that kind of stuff will happen concurrently. 
So, you know, there's a lot here going on, obviously, and you're involved with a, a lot of, you know, connecting and networking and bringing partners together. And, you know, I can't, I can only imagine you're not the only one there at the IRC helping you out. So who else is on your team helping you do this work? Oh my gosh. I have an amazing team and I it want to give them a shout out here. They are, they are the reason that I um, can do my job and, <laughs> Uh, I have Jean Miller, who's our director of administration. She's coming up on her um, seventh anniversary with the organization. Oh, and wow. she, really, she really is the wizard behind the curtain that makes everything go, go. smoothly. Okay. You always um, need she's somebody phenomenal. like that. We have a, a newer program manager that started with us last November. Her name is Marla Cherney. She is, she's the mm -hmm. wizard behind the curtain for the Master Recycler Program and a lot of the educational things you see yeah. Um, that we that we do as an organization and then we just recently hired our new uh manager or uh, marketing and communications manager morgan okay. hartman she's okay. the one who makes us look good and yeah. sound good and get the so, message out exactly so right. she's got um a, she's got a big role these days but we're so excited to have her and she's been a phenomenal addition to our team so you got the you know the four four of you guys are the power team here yes Yes. That's and, awesome. it's, and, and, you know, we shifted to working remotely. Yeah. Well now we're just, we're back to full capacity Four okay. staff has, has been full capacity. So uh, okay. we are, right. we are intending with the creation of uh, the separate entity for the circular economy initiative to be able to do some hiring as well for that. So um, yeah, hopefully we're on an upward growth trajectory. Sure. Sure. Well, okay. So what does success look, look like for you guys here in the next, you know, two years or three years? What would it look like in five? Yeah. In two years, it really would be a successful vote at the city council level um, in support of, you know, the Thrive Indianapolis goals um, the, to create a solid waste management district and to get it uh, staffed and running um, and, and, fully integrated and working with all of the phenomenal partners that are here in Marion County that would, would love to be partnering with such an entity. For example, keep Indianapolis beautiful. They would be a natural phenomenal partner for that mm -hmm. entity. Sure. <laughs> um, also um, starting to address the lack of uh, sustainable funding source for mm -hmm. the uh, operations of a district. Um, the education programs and starting right. to get those rolled out uh, right. at the at the really granular level, mm -hmm. um, and then you know us being playing a much more active role over at the state house and and having more relationships with more legislators in mm -hmm. uh, ways that we can really share this message of the value of recycling and the circular economy in the state, um, and engaging our members in doing that. Um, and in five years, um, you know, having that circular Indianapolis plan and, and having the ability to be putting those um, recommendations into place, having comprehensive curbside recycling for all yep. Marion County residents, as mm -hmm. well as um, compost collection. So that is, uh, we would like to see a little bit more aggressive approach to compost uh, curbside composting for residents. So we'll, we'll, we'll be pushing for that, but um, making, making some stuff happen at the state level uh, from a policy perspective um, 
to support our, our partners so, at IDEM as well. So you don't do so, I mean, it only seemed like a natural fit to have you guys uh, have a seat at the, uh, you know, the, the, the state level recycling uh, committees or department, whatever. I think they have a committee there. Um, the, the governor sets up and, you know, through IDEM and I mean, I can't believe you guys aren't really at the table. There as a at large type participant. Yeah. And um, honestly, I attend all those meetings. I uh, there's, I'm, I am maybe thinking I can do more good for that committee as an external person. Um, so I'm, I'm quite happy with where I sit in the room at those meetings. And, uh, yeah, I uh, enjoy the ability to be, um, a rabble rouser if I need to. (laughs) Yeah. And they can't tell you to sit down. (laughs) Exactly. There's, there's yeah. benefits for not being picked to be that's on the team true. too. That's true. Yeah. You know, I know how the state government works. I mean, I'm a, a former IDEMer myself and uh, you know, it, it's, it, it moves at its own pace. Um, <laughs> well, this has been good. So, okay. So there's probably a lot of people listening on this podcast and they want to go, boy, I really like what you guys are doing. How do I volunteer? How do I get involved? You know, what, what they need, what do they need to do? Yeah. So as individuals, um, we're always looking for members, donors, um, and folks to participate in our Master Recycler program, which in in the run-up to its launch, um, you can go to our website and learn more about the program and uh, sign up to be a beta tester. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you get a little bit of a VIP access to the program ahead of time and give us your feedback on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is significantly, uh, valuable to us at this particular time, um, learning, attending any of our webinars, uh, to learn how to recycle properly, uh, and be a much more educated consumer, um, is, is a phenomenal way to get started, uh, recycling no matter where you live, but, uh, for sure in Indianapolis is not easy and knowing what to throw is overly complicated. And we do our very best to make that straightforward and simple. Sure. So we've, yeah. we've done some videos about plastic and things like that on social media. So um, just getting engaged with us, subscribing to our newsletter, um, you know, following us on social media, that's a great way to engage with us as well. Sure. Um, and then for folks in, um, with, in, in respect to their employer, um, letting them know about this initiative that we're working on and, and, and bringing a representative to the table to be a part of it. Uh, it's really important for us that we go outside of the you know, typical cast of characters in the waste and recycling industry and get a much more um, representative sample of folks in our community. So we want arts and cultural institutions um, folks in the healthcare industry who, by the way, generate a tremendous amount of waste. Um, (laughs) so, you know, retail, uh, establishments, um, hospitality industry folks, um, we need everybody, we need all the perspectives that we can get, um, and a diverse community as well, um, to be at the table and share their perspectives so that we can make sure that we do this in a way that is going to benefit the most number of people. Sure. No, that's good. So, well, so the, the podcast is called the environmental transformation podcast. And uh, so I'd like to usually uh, close the show with asking the guest, you know, how are you transforming 
you know, the way Indiana thinks about recycling and developing a circular economy at the, with the IRC? We are um, recognizing our need to be more proactive in the advocacy space and to recognize when there are opportunities for us to speak out on topics and in issues that we haven't in the past. Um, especially right now uh, in a period of time where racial injustice has become come to the forefront so much mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. We are a member of the environmental and the nonprofit communities. And mm -hmm. there's, there's a history of race of environmental racism around the siting of landfills, the siting of, of recycling processing facilities. We have not been at those tables. We have not been talking about those issues. We have not been involved. Mm -hmm. And we are recognizing we needed to be, and for sure, going forward, we must be. Um, so we, wanted, we want to be much more intentional about seeking out the voices and the perspectives that we don't ourselves have Mm -hmm. um, that need, and then, and elevating those voices and making sure they're heard. Um, so we feel that that's a very important thing for us to do a, a, a priority that, um, we, we intend to weave into every aspect of the way we serve like, the citizens of like Indiana. Conversations and things like that too. Exactly. Huh? That's good. No, that's great. No, that's, that's, uh, that's very commendable. I think it needs to be done as well. Um, you know, we're kind of getting to the end of the show here. So I usually end up with a quick little fun fact. So what are some, what are some of the hobbies you have outside of work? <laughs> um, I love, I love to cook. Um, oh, okay. That is, that's one of my favorite things to do. Um, and I've recently become, I think this is like a pandemic trend. Yeah. I've recently taken a little foray into gardening. Yes, uh, I have a small, definitely... small lot. I don't live on a lot of, I don't have a lot of land here, right. but, uh, between that and a pollinator garden, uh, I am enjoying gardening and the benefits of, you know, bringing that into the home as cooking, you know, so sure. they're, they're making some interconnections there. And doing that with my sons um, who are, you know, kindergarten and preschool has just oh, been such a yeah. joy this whole Lots summer. So I intend to keep that up post pandemic. All right. So question, how do listeners get a hold of you, Allison? Yeah. Best way to reach me right now. I'm, I'm hanging out in the spare bedroom at my house. So email <laughs> like <all> is right. <laughs> email is the best way. And I'm Allison, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N at indianarecycling.org. Uh, that's awesome. the best way to reach me. I'm also, you know, LinkedIn, social media, you can find me all those sure. places too. Sure. Well, this has been great, Allison. I'm glad you took some time to, to meet with us and, and, and go through uh, the, the big plans that IRC has for the future and the Circular Economy Initiative. And I'm looking forward to supporting uh, as well and, and love to maybe have you come back on the, sh on the show down the road here. We'll maybe do some highlights on any new updates or, or uh, successes that you have had in the past, you know, recently. That'd be good, I think. Would love to, Sean. Thank you so uh, much. This was a fantastic opportunity. 
I want to thank our guest, Allison Mitchell, for coming onto the show today. If you have questions about the IRC or how to get involved with their initiatives, please feel free to contact Allison via email at allison at indianarecycling.org or visit their website at www.indianarecycling.org. We'll also put a link to our contact information on my webpage. To listen to future environmental transformation podcasts, you can check us out on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast networks, or from my website at www.seankgrady.com. Please remember, don't forget to subscribe, and thanks for listening. And until next time, make a positive impact in someone's life today.